Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Big news, the Sydney Comedy Festival is around the corner and I've got a show in it. That's right, Tuesday, April 30th, Mark Williamson's Guns N' Roses is coming to town. As well, Dave the producer, Dave Keishan, is teaming up with friend of the show, Andrew Barnett, for Dave and Andrew's one-man show. That's on Tuesday, 7th of May, at the Factory Theatre. For tickets, visit sydneycomedyfest.com.au and for more information, visit comedyonedge.com. Now, let's start the show, Dave. Dave, hit the music. Welcome everybody to Comedy on Edge, the podcast. Lester, the intern's been handled the reins to the sound, so any sound complaints, send it to Lester. Dave, we've given the night off. Josh is here. We don't know why, we don't know what he's doing, but he's here. And our guest today, you may know him from Can of Worms, Hungry Beast, or on Twitter, Dan Illick. Dan, how are you? Uh, yeah, know me from Twitter. Please know me from Twitter. God! Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah, I like I like your big radio intro voice. That's good. It's kind of, you know, that I like how you kind of put on like a... A, a big sounding stadium voice, and here we are in your in your spare room with uh, with a whiteboard on the wall uh, and beautiful wooden faux wooden oh. furnishings around this place. It's like being in some sort of seventies crack den. It's fantastic. Let's survive. We go for. It. Let's see. I get excited when you give me the mic. I get excited. Like when we a couple of, we did we interviewed Brendan Burns, and yeah. I gave the intro, and he's like. Talking in normal voice. I'm not dealing with that. And that was, <laughs> it's like, okay. I was a bit freaked. But I'll, I get excited when I got behind the mic. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah. What's be- what's what's awesome is what you need is a set of cans. Because that way, uh, as someone who's done a lot of radio in my time, you actually slowly fall in love to the sound of your own voice. <laughs> and you actually, anytime you're actually holding a mic, the very act of not having your own voice amplified back into your ears is quite disconcerting. So I feel like I'm naked right now, but I think that's a good thing. I think oh, it's that, a good thing yeah, for everyone. It's good. Well, I'm ever, not naked. I can get naked have you if ever, you want. Have you ever done a stand-up gig where they give you the fold back, like the sound cup? I, we did a couple of years ago, the Annandale Christmas part, like Chris, no, it was New Year's Eve. I got asked to do a spot there and they're like, do you want fold back? I'm like, I didn't know what it was. So I'm on stage and all of a sudden I hear my voice and it really threw me. I did do a stand-up spot at the 2009 Walkley Awards, and I did got, I got given a Madonna mic to wear, oh. uh, so I could roam around the stage and do my jokes. But the thing was, as, as a kind of if I moved away from the podium, I couldn't see the auto cue, and so <laughs> as I moved away from the podium, I couldn't see the auto cue, and as I walked away from the podium, the audio in the auditorium started going, and it was just terrible and that gig was one of the worst gigs I've ever made and ever done in my entire life it was good because one it was in front of a, a bunch of journalists who were drunk anyway <laughs> two it was on SBS uh, and three they didn't give me an introduction so there was not like and I wasn't really well known at the time so arguably I'm still not well known now but uh, I didn't so no there was no reason like he was this fucking dude walking up on stage and what's he gonna do who, who is this guy we don't know who he is like there was no context for me being there. Um, so I introduced myself uh, and it was terrible. Was that the year that the guy went and pushed the other guy off the stage? No, that was the year after. So that was Glenn Milne and um, and what's-his-face from Crikey, Stephen oh, Main. Oh, yeah, and, was... and my idea for that, my idea for my spot was to talk about 
uh, talk about that and then reunite them on stage and give them a big hug. And I called, <laughs> I called, I called Glenn Milne and I called Stephen Mayne and I said, "Hey, I want to do this for the Walkleys, and you know, it's like you two making up, and I want to talk about how journalism we can all be friends, blah blah blah, uh, new age journalism." And like, and they're both like, "Ah, oh, only if Glenn will do it." And Steve was like, "Ah," oh. <laughs> and Glenn was like, "Ah, oh, only if Stephen will do it." And I said, "Yes, yes, he's very keen." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> well, let's do it." They didn't know at that point. Uh, and I pictured the Walkleys. The Walkleys like, "Oh no, we don't want to have a bar of that." And I'm like, "What? That's a great idea! Uh, You're you- an idiot." You're an idiot. And I've never won a Walkley Award since. So I think that's you, probably a testament to that gig I did you back in 2009. Yeah. Ne- you, never, you never get the Walkley. See, that's, see not, normally when you said you pitched that, I thought, oh, one of them wouldn't do it. But to have, go to all the lengths, get the Thal gear together, and then shot down. Yeah, Glenn Milne was going to drive from Canberra. So that would have been, you know, a bit of an effort. His yeah. defence was probably just an excuse to get out for the week. Yeah, you know. He's Canberra. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get out and, and to get on the piss for free. That's yeah. true. You know, once the cocaine's out of Canberra, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not worth staying. It's not worth staying. True. Well, you've so you sort of you've came into you've sort of this is your you're about to go down to Melbourne. Is this your debut? Probably your debut comedy festival as a solo artist. As a solo artist, yeah. yeah. She did I've done a lot sketch. of festival shows as part of an ensemble. Did uh, the Third Degree, um, mm-hmm. which was uh, before the Third Degree with Heath Franklin. James Pender uh, and Nick Maddock, who is in Smart Casual, oh. we did a show called The Beatification of Newt Burton and the Great Viagra Robbery <laughs> in, Athen- in, Athen- in the Athenaeum 2, the Athenaeum 2, uh, in 2003, Three. I think, yeah. And then in 2004, we did The Third Degree, which was a best of the Sydney comedy, the Sydney... Um, uh, comedy reviews from all the universities. Yeah. So I did that in 2004. Then in 2005, um, we did it again, another third degree. Um, and then 2006, we were working on Ronnie Johns. So ah. we, didn't do, we didn't do that. And then I did the next show I did down there was Comicide in 2007 mm. and 2008. And then it went on to do another one in 2009. Yeah. But also in 2009, I did... Beaconsfield the musical, or Beaconsfield a musical in A flat minor, yes. um, which was its original title, and much funnier. And still, mm. I think now a lot of time has passed, and I think we can all agree that that pun uh, is remains intact and is still a valid name for the show. Oh, I think I think it is. I I wouldn't tour it to Beaconsfield if I no, was. No, no. In, in fact, the senator at the time that all blew up, uh, and I got in a lot of trouble for it. Um, the name, mm. the senator down there, I forget his name. Senator Fuckwit, I think we'll call him. Yeah. Um, he sent me an email saying, "If you," he said, "Call me right away." So I called him right away. I said, oh, "Hello, Senator. Uh, nice to chat with you." He's like, "If you ever, if you ever decide to bring that down here, you're going to be uh, tied to the back of a ute and drawn through the streets." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess I won't be coming down there with the show." Thank you didn't you. ask him for an arts grant or you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. got some funding for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a great fringe show. <laughs> uh. I'm sure the Beaconsfield Town Hall, you know, that, that, well, that, that, they haven't got the... I think the mine's shut down now, so you, they, might, they might be... Craw- oh, no, they wouldn't have the money to pay for the ticket. I don't know. I don't know if the mine is shut down. I know this... It's shut down for a period, but I think mm. it's back in operation. And here's the... Because I, I wrote it in Beaconsfield, wrote the Beaconsfield uh, musical in Beaconsfield in the, pub, oh, oh. in the pub next to the mine. And I got to talk to a lot of locals and mm. miners and stuff, and apparently the mine was running at a loss uh, on purpose... Uh, because it was a tax write-off for the owners, which were Macquarie Bank. So <laughs> the, the idea that... We should just express, uh, express that this, the opinions of Dan Illick on Macquarie Bank 
are not reflected by comedy on edge. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't have... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The big fat cats of Macquarie Bank are going to storm your little podcast and come into Redfern and break down the doors and, and break your tape recorder. Dude, I'm worried they're going to take me for everything. And if they are, that means I'll lose half my scrubs no, DVDs. I, I, you know. uh, <laughs> they can have half my debt, but, you know, they may want the DVDs. I, I notice you do also have a large range of VHS over there as well. Yeah, so that, that, that would be... That since they're antiques, they're worth more now. Well, they were my retirement fund, but then it's like, you know, then, then I thought I'll invest in DVDs, you know. It's yeah, yeah, it's the future. Laser discs must come back one spinning day. Spinning bits of plastic read by lasers, that's the future. Um, the hipsters in, you know, 2050, they're going to be like, they'll be clamouring all over for my Royal Rumble 1998. It's just, the, just the classics, it's, Mark. It's, it's just it's the classics. just the great ones, you know. American Pies there, Election, great, good, yeah. good stuff. You, you yeah. can't, well, you can buy this these days. Priceless, people would say. <laughs> literally, no prices on them. No. Literally. Do you work in a? Do you work at Goulds? That's what they told me there. Um, yeah. So anyway, the end of that story yeah. is that it's just ridiculous that that mine accident happened in the first place mm. because the only reason why that mine existed at that point in time was to lose money so that it could be a tax write-off for a major m- merchant bank. So anyway, that's the ultimate hypocrisy there. Yeah. Take that, zing. Take yeah. that, four years on, five years on. <laughs> There's your next year's Fringe show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's the theme of this year's show? The de- This is the debut solo show? Uh, this is a debut solo show. It's called Dan Elick is Legally Ambiguous. Um, or uh, if you're a friend of mine, you come to the show, it's, it, it's a working title is uh, Dan Elick strings together a bunch of old video clips and ties it together with a loose narrative to create a festival show. So uh, it, that's, that's what it is. But it... it but it's also very exciting. I'm telling some stories. It's basically about how my comedy sometimes gets me in trouble and how I how I kind of go push those boundaries a little bit and and I'm willing to do things that are slightly you know legally ambiguous for a, for a joke. Um like the time I assassinated Barack Obama or yeah. tried to, <laughs> tried yeah, to. Uh, uh yeah or or the time I ripped apart Tourism Australia's ad campaign or uh, or the time uh, Dick Smith made me make an ad for him. Uh that was, you know, so I kind of talk about these these things. I was going to ask you about Dick Smith because I, I saw you live tweeting that as it happened the uh the text message you sent. <laughs> oh yeah, good, excellent. I'm glad you saw that. The plan came to fruition. <laughs> excellent. It's, it's, it's a slowly kind of uh, seeding, seeding a backstory through Twitter. That was that was look. That was my genius, and I'm pretty happy with that. So was it yours or his ideas to confuse you as one of the chaser guys? That was him. That was all him. And so uh, I was at work, and someone came in and said, "You know, chaser aren't very happy about Dick uh, referencing you." And I'm like, oh, I was like. Oh. That's so terrible. Like I, I just thought they, I thought they wouldn't care about it. But I'm not sure who in the chaser <laughs> gave a shit about it. But I think it was, it was just it was storming a teacup. Apparently, I, I called Jules. I sent him a text and said, "Oh, really sorry. Dick just says anything he wants. Um, can you? I'm really sorry. No, I didn't tell him to say that." And he's like, "Oh, it's okay. No one really cares. Don't worry about it." But I was freaked out. I was freaked out that I would upset the chaser because they are they are one of my employers. So. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, but I was thinking, surely the chaser that have a thick skin. <laughs> yeah, they, they should have a thick yeah. skin. If yeah. not, I could just imagine John Howe going, get me on the Twitter, I want to attack the chaser. You chairs, uh, you hired Dan Illick. Was that John Howe from Sea Change? Is that- I think it yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> it was just my inner, inner John Howe. That's how my inner monologue voice. <laughs> I like it's 2013 and a John Howe joke is not out of place still. That's great. I, 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 like a lot of comics, lost a lot of material when he went. <laughs> it's, I, it's the same. Like, at the moment, like, we, we were in election year, and it's sort of like the human in me 
doesn't want Abbott to win. But the comic in me is thinking, fuck, it's going to be an easy four years. <laughs> oh, you know, Claire Hooper says, she was told me a couple of, couple of mm-hmm. months ago, um, or maybe six months ago, that she would leave the country if Tony Abbott... She would move to New Zealand. I think I've said the same thing. Are you going to move? You and, Le- really you and Claire so- Hooper could start Comedy of the Edge in Wellington. Oh, we, we could, we could. We could get the whole circle at Auckland, one there rebuild Christchurch, we'll get something in there. You could start Comedy of the Edge in Queenstown on a ledge. Oh, Comedy on the ledge! Oh, that's good. Well, I'm just thinking about it. Oh, we, we could do that. We could, But but I think then, then we'll... I think the whole Abbott thing, I think there's going to be so much... Imagine Joe Hockey managing our money. How funny is that going to be? It's good. Well, he, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is. Mm. Also puts a lot of food where yeah, his yeah. mouth is as well. Uh, but the, th- the thing about John the thing about John Howard is, I don't know if it's with you, you guys as well, but any time in the media I hear the news report going, the Prime Minister today said blah, 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 blah. I think, John Howard. Like, I, 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 think, I still think of John Howard like, as the Prime Minister. Yeah, I can. And like I, Kevin Rudd and, and Julie Gillard were like these anomalies. They're not really prime ministerial. But enough. kind of. He's like. You, have you seen Keating, the musical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch that occasionally. And the, the rework. Spoiler alert to everyone else. When they rework where Howard versus Keating at the end and Keating wins, or they pretty much apply it, I get hopeful. And then I remember, no, Howard won. And it just makes me miserable. Because it was. He was a terrible. He took. Took the country in terrible places. He did. You know, you, you weren't necessarily proud of our mm. of uh, of our place in the world when mm. John was around. Um, you know, but he but he still felt like a prime minister. And I think, oh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Keating He's... felt like a prime minister. Yeah. I think Hawke felt yeah. like a prime minister. But I think Kevin Kevin was kind of like the apology. I think was a proud moment, and he did that digni- with dignity. Yep. But then, but yeah, he, he did. Was clever. He did that at the very start of his yeah, yeah, prime yeah. ministership. <laughs> so, Right, I'm going to do something fucking amazing right now. I'm going to say, shake the sauce bottle on everybody, and uh, and they're going to love me, and it'll be great. Then I can just do fucking do whatever I want. I can abuse the other members of the caucus. They won't give it. They won't mind being told to fuck off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been working on this plan for years. No one will knife me. No yeah. one will knife me. Yeah, I'm in. I'm invincible. <laughs> but yeah, you're right there because like Tony and Gilla, like I've seen both of them speak live, and they're not like you know when you see a great speaker, you get inspired. Mm. Julia is very like in Parliament when she's in question. She's brilliant. Yep. You see her live and dynamite. Really rehearsed. She looks to the left. She looks to the right. Then in the centre. Then she makes a point and her speech pattern doesn't change. And she does this for forty minutes. <laughs> That's and, really good. You and uh, Gabby Milgate and Vic, the Veronica Milsom should all do a Julia Gillard impression <laughs> show. Yeah, tribute, yeah, no. tribute. No, yeah, that'd be great. Well, we get J- Jackie Loeb does a good one. She, does she? physically yeah. looks. Yeah, she gets into character. She did it on Good News Week, and it was yeah, it was a bit scary seeing yeah, her. Right. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. And then, like, you talk about like Rudd did that because when they win an election, you know, he's got they've got carte blanche. Like Rudd said the apology. What do you reckon Abbott's going to do in his first month? Because he's probably going to have a pretty significant lead. You know, I, he could do some evil things. You I don't know. know, he could uh, make uh, make the Catholic Church do Latin masses. I guess uh, <laughs> dick stickers for everyone. Uh, or maybe he could, maybe he could merge the Catholic Church and primary schools together. You know, just. He could do it. Well, he he, had, he does ha- he does have this plan to put in an economic zone in the north of in the north of Australia. You know, to make yeah to make uh, running a business a lot cheaper in the north of Australia, uh, above the Tropic of Capricorn. But my question is, the Tropic of Capricorn. If you know science, like I know science, <laughs> you're a climate scientist. Oh, I'm not a climate scientist. I know many of them now. Um, but 
if you know science, like I know science, the Tropic of Capricorn actually moves over the year. So I wonder, like, if the Tropic of Capricorn moves, whether that tax exemption exclusion zone moves as well. So whether you're like, well, I'm going to put my business somewhere in the middle. It's, it's, it's a great plan, isn't it, to move everything north? You're really targeting your voters in Victoria, Adelaide, Perth, and Tassie who are all going to be just screwed yeah. and have to move. He's just wanting the cat vote. The ca- oh, the cat He's worried about cat The cat. Have you dealt with cat Oh, no, 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 Mark. I've met, I've met Bob Catter. And he's, uh, he's, uh, no, he's, yeah, oh, let me tell you, there's a bit of black fella in me. Oh, yeah, oh. I love Bob Catter. I think he's a great voice in Parliament and he's mental, but oh, yeah. I think he's so, so funny. <laughs> He's got like three really good ideas, yeah. but it's just surrounded by hatred and lunacy. It's like, have you read the Latham Diaries? No, I haven't read them. They're, I use them occasionally as toilet paper, but oh. I haven't read. I haven't read them. So I use. I used to when I, a couple of years back when he, it was a bit more relevant. He used. I used to get a lot of corporate work for Young Labor, yeah. and it used to be my ploy. I'd go, look, if anyone wants to heckle me, bring it on, and they'd get all boisterous, and I go, but be warned, and I'd pull the Latham Diaries out and go, because I'll just start reading this, <laughs> and it worked every time. But the whole thing, like the Latham Diaries, sorry, I just. There's about some. Re- There's a brilliant essay on the Tassie Forest that's perfect, but then he has an insult in there. Like he's got a whole chapter where he bags Rudd out for coming and crying the day Rudd's mother died. He's pretty much like, "What a wimp!" He cried when his mother died. Oh, can you believe this guy? <laughs> Fucking hell! Mark yeah. Latham should be prime minister. He just walk around. Imagine the foreign policy. Oh, you're fucking crying because <laughs> twenty kids got shot. Oh, boo-hoo. oh, what you tighten up your gun laws, you faggot. Oh, oh, you, look at all your refugees running from Aleppo. Oh, I can't handle Al Bashar's guns. Oh, hey Al Bashar, your missus is pretty hot. Yeah, hot when I fucking jabbed her in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, think- I reckon Latham would be. He's he's a statesman, isn't he? We definitely make world news. That's for sure. <laughs> So getting back there, you, you're excited. You're not only doing one show in Melbourne, Legally Ambitious, you're doing three? I'm doing three shows because I'm an idiot. You're just like, i got time. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm in another state. Well, I, 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 it's only dawning me now, like, what an idiot I am for doing too many. Mm. Um, I just came from rehearsal from Sidekicks, which is a romantic comedy, which is a play we put on in Sydney. Uh, did very well. Uh, it's like a deconstructed romantic comedy. It's pretty fun. It won an uh, award, didn't it? Uh, it, it got, like, third best play, third, third best independent play. Um, at uh, on some blog, so that's an award. I that's guess. an achievement. That's an I'll achievement. take that. But all the reviews we had for that were extraordinary. Mm. It's kind of my my first foray on stage acting as an actor, um, and that was really cool. And so we're going to take that to Adelaide um, for the next couple for the next couple of weekends, and then we're taking it to Melbourne for to the first two weeks, and then in the middle I do Irrational Fear, um, which is my comedy panel satirical comedy show, which is. Pretty fun and fast and furious. Mm-hmm. And then the last two weeks, I do Dan Ellick is Legally Ambiguous. And all throughout that, I'll be also doing Can of Worms, can of worms. as well. So it's kind of... And that's filmed in Melbourne, so that's kind of make that, that side of the business a bit easier. But the post for Can of Worms is done in Sydney, so that'll be really confusing. We haven't quite worked out what it is we're oh, going to so do. Yeah, they're still doing it. Because, yeah, Michael Chamberlain, who's been on the show before, he... He was up here, then he's moved back, and then so he's back in Melbourne. He's back in Melbourne now, and yeah. you're, you're sort of straddling both now, like you. Yeah, so I fly, I fly to Melbourne every week, uh, every weekend to do to do can of worms. So I fly down on Monday, Monday morning, fly back first thing Tuesday morning, so I can work in the office on Tuesday and then shoot on the Wednesday. Um, oh. So I've got to think of ideas on the Tuesday, pitch them in Tuesday afternoon, get three approved, and go shoot two. So it's like ah, it's just go. 
but it's good. Yeah, no, it's, it's good to good to be busy. Definitely, I'm glad you're doing the three show stat. I thought at one stage you'd be doing like. Seven o'clock, eight thirty, nine thirty. No, that would be mental. That just would be, be... And imagine trying to sell those shows. Like imagine trying to. If you're in three shows, there's no way you could sell. sell yeah, them. the flyering would be like, come see me here, here. Look, just take three flyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I was uh, Daniel Kitson, which is the poster you've got on your wall here. Um, incidentally, sorry, yeah, I know this is a clearly a visual medium, but Daniel Kitson's. Um, what is the name? What was the name of that show? Uh, uh, you've got a poster on your wall here. For I Daniel think that Christian was just show. self-titled. He did it in Newtown RSL. I yeah, don't think it that, was. That was that was one of my f- that show. The Daniel Kitson show where he holds the red balloon mm. was one of my favourite stand-up comedy shows ever of all time. And I'm so jealous of that poster you've got on your wall. Full right. stop. Uh, well enough. I you might want to cut that out. It's no, 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 no. I got it's, you're unlucky not to get it because I got it from FBI when I was there. It was you know when they come in with the posters and they give them out and it's like that sure. was I was sitting in the bucket. I'm like yeah I'll take that. Yeah take that one. That That's, is that is he uh, does a good like the show, my favorite kids. Show, I sadly missed that one. It was sold out. Then I don't want to go. I saw the year after the, it was the fireworks talking. Oh yeah. And that I remember it was I saw it in 2007 when I did my stand up debut there and it was. <laughs> I'd had a really stressful night. It was a long, like, you fly. It was just the end of the way. And I just remember sitting there and just watching the show, and it was just, it was brilliant. Like, I went with a good mate, Toby Coleman, and it was just, we were just like, this is brilliant. This is just what stand-up should be. Uh, it's the Fireworks Talking was a great show, and I saw it in the Athenaeum in Melbourne. Yeah, that's where it is. And I saw it a few rows behind Jordan Riscopolis. <clears throat> and, uh, and halfway through the show, uh, Daniel Kitsman made fun of Heckler and said, and it, have, 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 have any, any of you else got to say something? And Jordan Roscopoulos yells out, Apostrophe! What? <laughs> apostrophe! Apostrophe? What? And behind him, it's the fireworks talking. He didn't have an apostrophe in its. <laughs> and because Daniel Kitson's such a word nerd, uh-huh. he looked around and got furious. <laughs> he, he said, I've done the show everywhere. No one's picked that up. F- fuck off. <laughs> That's it was fantastic. Oh, so, that, that was you, John, was down there as the man with the dominant claw. That's, is that right? Yeah, was, yeah. yeah it, was, it was funny because we were flying at the time and Jordan Raskopoulos, who some of you, or you probably know from rigging the Logies, but, <laughs> and also the Axis of Awesome, who were brilliant. But he did a show where he had a giant um, crab claw and he was walking around flying with this giant claw and it was, yeah, it broke it up a bit. You know. Yeah. He good. took out when he handed it, you know, sadly people lost their hands when he flied with the wrong hand, but it was quite good. Yeah. So you're not involved with him helping to rig the Logies at all? Uh, he actually called me on the day of um, and I texted him the night before saying, oh, the Daily Telegraph's going to have you in the paper tomorrow. It's really funny. Congratulations. And he called me at six o'clock in the morning saying, oh, we texted strategy and stuff. Then he called me at six o'clock in the morning saying, oh, uh, today, tonight, I want to do an interview. What do I do? <laughs> and I said, oh, I was like, okay, calm down. Um, it, it's, it's not real. It's all fake. Remember, this is just media. It's just fucking Australian media. So don't worry. You have to be as funny or, and as weird as you possibly can be and go in with jokes and just give them jokes because if you give them jokes, that's all they'll run with. And then sure enough, that's what he did on, on today, tonight. He went on today, tonight. When he just wore this great kind of uh, fur... And a fur, a, like a fur, a fur hoodie or something, and he he wore, wore like his his Harry Potter jacket, and he wore like big crazy glasses. And I, I, all I do is remember, all I can remember is one joke he said was, um, uh, the reporter said, "Do you think it's fair what you're doing that you're rigging the vote?" And Jordan yelled out, "It's a democracy! It doesn't have to be fair!" <laughs> <laughs> 
And it was like, he was just like this contemptuous actor. Uh, it was fantastic. So I was, I was like, I felt like a proud father telling people how to play the media. How to play the media. <laughs> there's, there's, once you've done your festival season, there's, there's your course, how to play the media. Yeah, could, I could, I could charge $30,000 an hour. I could do media training for comedians. You could, or, or even business to teach them. Sure. Yeah, people with money. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's, comedians, that's 30000 an hour. Yeah, right. You'd want to have some cocaine with that. <laughs> that's right. I'll talk to Will. Talk to Will. Yeah. yeah. I think he, he, he knows how to do the media a bit. He's very good. He's very good. He's very good. Well, that's good. Well, can of worms. It's it's going along. It's how are you finding it? Like, how do you find the show? Like, how, yeah. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, how I'm framing in the this TV question. guide. My in the, nice. <laughs> I, I do but like, do you sort of like do you get involved in the issue? Like the issues. Do you have a say in sort of coming up with them? Or? I used to like in series one when I first started mm-hmm. doing the show. Like I was kind of heavily involved. A lot of the show, and then I just kind of in series. Then as the series went on, I just kind of stuck to doing my job, mm. uh, which is a very small job on the show. And then in series, this series, I kind of just uh, asked them if I can just do three days a week, just just to do my job because my job's pretty easy. Mm. I make a sketch and then do three jokes in the studio, and that way I don't have to worry about all the other mm. palaver. And um, at the moment, it's kind of a nice place to be. Um, so I just have to do my job, do my job well. Um, and then um, that's great. Hmm. Um, so I don't actually kind of come up with uh, the worms and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, do you ever see on the board like something like there's issues you're really passionate for or against, or does that like because it's a show that yeah it is really like divides. <laughs> the, sh- the show's kind of changed this year, so it's mm. it's uh, it's gotten a, for want of a better term, it's gotten a little bit more commercial and mm. so and softer. Um, because of the network involvement in the show this mm. year because they're kind of freaking out because the ratings aren't the best. Um, and so they're kind of um, trying to make the show a little bit more, a, a broader show. So it's kind of it's challenging in that regard because yeah. um, because what you want to do is you want to, you do, part of you do, part of you wants to tackle these serious issues but then you realise a lot of people probably aren't into yeah. a, a really big issue like that so it's a difficult it's a difficult kind of yeah or well, the network game to play yeah network 10 yeah it's a really do you sort of ever like i know or you probably don't get to deal with the network but it's sort of like your network executives it's like guys you can't you okayed the shire you okayed 10 <laughs> breakfast really you want to have a crack yeah uh look you know nah. the, the network people are really nice like yeah, yeah. Uh, our ep at 10 is so good and he's an ep i worked with for a long time uh at 10 from Ronnie John's days and so it's nice to kind of have a really great history with that guy and you can kind of mm. talk openly and frank about stuff but then he's got pressure from his boss and then uh, she's got pressure yeah. from their boss and that her boss has got pressures from the shareholders and then yeah, yeah. Oh, the shareholders don't really care too much because they've got mining uh, assets that pay their money yeah. so <laughs> this is just a little thing for influence yeah. well, <laughs> can we, you can sort of can um, Ronnie John's was your first break into TV uh, not really oh no 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 uh, I don't want to brag but uh, I was on series 4 of The Romper Room uh, on Channel 7 uh, as a 4 year old so oh. let's not let's not forget about that screw their planned questions romper room <laughs> <laughs> um, but then Ronnie John's Ronnie John's came out of doing the third degree down at down at Melbourne Comedy mm. Festival no I remember seeing Ronnie John's and it was there were some sketches there that were brilliant but I look at it now do you think TV is more conservative now than say when Ronnie John's was on oh definitely because yeah. there are some sketches there was one sketch you guys did with the Twin Towers and 
I remember crying with laughter. Jihadi Joe. Yeah, Jihadi Joe going, how did they get this on? Like, but it was just brilliant. Like, I don't think you get that on these days. I know. I reckon you could. Definitely on the ABC. Yeah, no, no, but in commercial. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, mm. I, I don't know. I think it comes in phases. So I think there will be a time when a commercial network does have the balls to go and make original programming. But right now, all they want to do is make cooking shows. Yeah. So And that's all they'll get. Mm. Um, and so that's – because they're after the uh, – because in television – Mark, <laughs> you've you worked in television? Yes. You, yeah. you worked in GNW? Yeah. In TV, all the three networks, all they want to do is attract the eyeballs of one viewer. And that viewer is a middle-aged woman with one kid, one on the way. She lives, uh, she lives in the western suburbs and she drinks Bacardi Breezes for breakfast. Her name, has a, she's, got a, a, she's got a different name at each network. At Channel Nine, they call it. At Channel Seven, they call it Betty from Blacktown. At the Today Show, at Channel Nine, they call it from Kathy from Campbelltown. And at Channel Ten, they call it uh, Sally, the shift worker from Saint Clair. <laughs> and so all they do, all they want to do, is attract the eyeballs of this one woman to look at their program. Which means the sh- every show they make is made for this one woman and this hypothetical audience member, which represents all of us. Mm-hmm. So that's why television on commercial television is the worst fucking stuff you'll ever see in the world because I don't really give a shit what Betty from Blacktown watches. Like, what's what's Dave from Lewisham watching? That's what I want to know. Going to the opera or something? What's he, like, well, surely the rest of us, the rest of us have, have other interests. That's why, that's why all of us, you and me and, uh, and everybody listening to this podcast is so addicted to shows on the internet. Like, mm. we'll torrent, we'll watch shows yeah. that we like, and we'll watch iView, we'll watch, we'll mm. watch the ABC because, and, uh, because they're making interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, ABC this year, ABC and ABC2 are just kicking goals. I mean, last year, Sam Simmons' Problems, that was brilliant. That was a great show. Josh's, Josh Thomas's show is coming out, and I've seen screeners, it looks brilliant. But it's just good that they're giving... A ch- actually, it should, it should be fair, Channel 10... When the, they launched the project, they did it well. They like when that launched, it wasn't rating at all. They gave it a year to run, and they're encouraging it. Yeah, and can of worms too. Like they're giving it, they're really pushing it. Yeah, which yeah. Is, yeah. So credit to Channel Ten. They are supporting some shows, but they did also make the Shire. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like take the good and the bad. Well, you know, and Channel Ten were renowned for doing that. They're yeah. they're great. They they do look after shows mm. for a long time and try and nurture them. And Can of Worms is a good example of where a show did find an audience. Mm. You know, it's, it was quite, it's quite a major show for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially though, because it was when it was launched, it was billed as like, was it the um, a working person's Q and A? Was that was <laughs> or was I imagining? To you're go you're saying you're saying Q and A for bogans? Is that that's what you're saying? I'm just going. Well, I'll, I'll, have, you know, I remember, can, I'll have you know, Can of Worms is Q and A for nerds. For nerds. Ah, oh, so so Q and A is Can of Worms for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. Like Q and A is such a review, and it is sort of. Am I imagining it was or was it probably the first show to really utilize Twitter, like Q and A, like on a big scale? Yeah. So yeah, so but a Q and A for like for what it is, it's not the highest rating show on TV. It does all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. It does you know seven or eight hundred thousand. Mm. You know, it was funny. Michael Chamberlain sent me a text message um, the other day with uh, the ratings. Hang on, just pause the podcast. I'm going to find this because it's worth it. No, that's no, no, no. Don't worry, we'll get this all in editing, won't we, Lester? Sure will. Sure. <laughs> I could just hear Dave, our, our editor, Dave Keishin, just screaming, going, more edits, more edits. Chamberlain, Chamberlain. That's pretty amazing. Here we just, yeah, yep. Yeah. Text message. 
Yeah, so he sent me a cool text message the other day of an Oztam sheet he found in his... So Michael Chamberlain sent me a text message the other day of an Oztam sheet from... I don't know what year it was. It was when Skit House was still on. Um, Let me have a look here. I can't, I can't can't remember what it would have been 2006 probably. That yeah. was a great show, Skid House. Yeah. Skid House is a good show, big broad sketch comedy show. Yeah. And here, right now, Skid House on was the 11th most watched show on Channel 10. Channel 10's number one rating show for the night. 1.3 million viewers. Wow. Sorry, 1.4 million viewers. If you got 1.4 now, that's the highest rating show on television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To I rate think... 1.4 is a miracle now. Yeah. No one is watching television at the moment. No. Well, More people listen to this podcast than watch television. It's <laughs> probably right. That's probably... But you say, yeah, you say that. Like, I remember when Good Newsweek once, the ratings dipped below a million and there was a bit of panic. And it, I think it got about 900,000. But then you're like, the Shire debuted to what's 900 and plummeted. I mean, now I think, you know, MasterChef, The Professionals, I'll admit I do watch that show, that's only rating 600,000. Ronnie Johns was rating 600,000 yeah, at 10.30 at night on Channel 10. I'm sure you would have had a tenth of the budget they probably had for MasterChef Professionals. I know. What's the deal? I we know. should have the tenth of the budget now. I could, I could, I could bring a million viewers. You probably, yeah, you probably could. Like, it's just the whole thing, like, the whole, I mean, the, obviously the TV's different, but yeah, why aren't they taking the risks? Like... Like, why aren't they put... Like, where, there is no sketch show on TV. Like, I mean, there is... There, there's going to be, I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's stuff on... Other than ABC, there's a couple in development, but like... Look, I, I don't... To be honest, yeah. I don't know, and, uh, you know, I go in and see... I go in and see heads of production... Heads of, heads of networks every year or so, because they always, they always quit after about a year because it's such a hard job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go and see heads of development mm. around net, different networks, and so it's good to introduce yourself, tell them all these brand new ideas, which are the same ideas I gave them last year, but it's different people. Different people. Uh, and no one's really kind of no – one, no one really wants to take a risk on something they don't, that's not mm. a known entity. Yeah, no, you probably – yeah, and I mean – Did you know – here's the thing. Do you know in Norway they had a television show last week – Twenty percent of Norwegians watched. That was all about making firewood and oh, burning so- firewood, and they they played five hours of a fireplace. Five hours of a fireplace, and it was the top rating TV show that night. Five hours of a fire, a crackling fireplace. It was the number one show in Norway. We need to package this and go to nine with it. What are we doing? We've got a show, guys. We've got a show. What are we doing? We're idiots. We're even idiots for trying to make jokes. Just fucking put a fireplace on. Oh, that's gold. There's like, a lot of, and there was a lot of talk on Twitter and Facebook about, oh no, you're putting the food the wrong way up. Should the wood, should the wood be bark up or bark down? All I know is you need more air around the wood so it can, can dry out faster. It's like a fucking fireplace. You scrunch the paper. You don't twist it to light. You scrunch that. Mark, putting a camera on your face for five hours. That would be more interesting. And, you know, asking people to poke you on Twitter. Where should we touch Mark? In in the cheek! (laughs) On the nose! No, it's Twitter. Hit him in the face! The groin, the groin. We're not filming that. The groin! (laughs) The groin for Prime Minister. That would rate three million in Australia. It probably would. I mean, And you'd become really famous. You could do it it live tours. Well, Dan, I see you got got the iPhone out. I've got the iPhone out. You've... Uh, you're an Apple fan? Yeah, you know what? I used to work at an Apple store. Uh, you're a genius? No, I wasn't a genius. It was years before. Pre-genius. Genius. It was pre-genius. Uh, 
in year 11, I did an IT TAFE course, and um, it was like when Macs weren't cool. Like, I'm old. I'm 31 years old, so this is a long time ago. And uh, and, and everybody got placement in the neighbourhood um, at an IT firm. So some people got, like, call centres, other people got other places, like, cool places, and I was the last one to pick and a, a placement. And the guy said, well, the only place we've got left is the Apple store in Borkhamhill. Hills, the next bite, and I was like, ah, all right, I'll go there. And I was working at Franklin's at the time. It was year eleven, so I was working at Franklin's at the time. So it was kind of cool to go hang out at an Apple store for a couple of weeks and just you know see what they do. And what they did was awesome. All they did was just sell computers. That shit's awesome. And the guy who ran it, his name was Crawford. He ran the place like a football team. So oh, it was like I a, love those. A things. lot of pizza, a lot of staying back late to paint the walls, but you got a lot of free beer and to get the uh, huddle, like the huddle. Yeah, huddle, huddle. huddle. Today. He was like the coach of the team and, you know, he treated us all very well. We were all very loyal as a result. And so it was just before the iMac came out and the iMac came out and I was like, oh, this is actually this is actually kind of cool now. And the thing that I – the reason why I stayed there, I went there for eight years. And the, the reason why I stayed there was because iMovie came out and all I wanted to do was make movies. And so I basically funded my filmmaking career <laughs> by stealing bits of equipment from the next bite and from Apple and from Sony to kind of – to that was basically an arts grant for me. <laughs> it was basically uh, my, standing on the shoulders of these companies' uh, profits uh, that I could actually learn how to make, how to, how to make films. So thank you, everyone who's been involved in that. It was fantastic. That's just putting two and two, I may be putting two and two together and equaling five, but I remember when I first walked into FBI, there were a lot of Apple monitors there. <laughs> a lot of Apple. <laughs> Coincidence? Oh, I don't know. No, I had nothing to do with no, that. No, 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 no. Because I remember you were at FBI. Uh, no, that, that were probably donated at the time. I wasn't a board member back then. Ah, uh, not a board member. I did, I did do the first all-nighter shift on FBI ah. when FBI started in 2003. It is 10 years this year of FBI years. Radio. Wow. And if you are not a, a subscriber, you should subscribe. Yep, be a member. I'm just using up. your podcast no, 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 to, to get people to go to fbiradio.com to become a member. Because we have 200,000 listeners but only 5,000 subscribers. Is it only 5,000? So that is a, that's really poor. Come on, So guys. if you listen and love FBI and love what it does for Sydney and as a culture curator of, of this fine mm. city, uh, do your part. Chip do, in some money. Definitely. I, I didn't know it was that. Yeah, I've done, I've done a few sponsor drives. I've man the phones a few times. Oh, good for you. It that's was good. good. It was that, good. That warms the cockles of my heart. Uh, it was fun times at FBI down in... Down, was it Waterloo? Waterloo, yeah. yeah. Waterloo. I'm not, not, oh, sorry, tongue tied again. So we're going in now. Dan, you're a tweeter. You're, an, you're, you're big on, you get on Q&A a bit. Yeah, I am. Uh, I don't want to toot my own tweet here, uh, but I am the number one Twitter person on Q&A. Oh. Uh, yeah, there was a leaderboard announced the other week and I am on the top. That's uh, and Apparently I'm on the white list, which means there's a list of people um, who can skip the first level of uh, gatekeeping. Ah. And so my tweets go straight to the EP and he'll go, oh yeah, put that one on, put that one on. Ah. And I love tweeting Q&A when I'm not watching the television. I get my best reaction when I'm not, yeah, I was at Manly Boat Shed the other week yeah. and had no idea and I was tweeting. I got more than I ever do when I watch the actual show. Amazing, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I got a tweet on screen from Spain. <laughs> Okay, that's, that's pretty good. That's, I was out. That's... I was outside a museum in Spain in a McDonald's, um, making time to sit with my phone and watch the Q and A hashtags. Uh, watch the Q and A hashtag for for ideas mm. to tweet. Then tweeted and I was tweeting all all during that hour. And I got one on in Spain. That was awesome. But I also got one on from Afghanistan. 
Oh, that's pretty impressive. That was pretty good. That's that. Yeah, that's that, that's extreme <laughs> tweeting. You started extreme tweeting. I know now. it's great. So I've turned into a sport where the further I am away from the television uh, to watch Q and A, if I can get a tweet on, then those tweets are worth more. That, that's pretty. I mean, I don't know how you can raise Afghanistan unless we go to the bottom of the sea and someone yep. gets a tweet or a Mars where yep. we can tweet live from Mars. Yeah, that'll be great. Well, that's good to know. The whole extreme. I so say I think I'm. I think I'm on the filter. I don't. I think I'm blocked on. I don't think they ignore me. When it first started out, I had a campaign to get Max Walker on Q and A. Right? Is I that think, because your tweets are defamatory? I think they. What have, have you said about Max Walker? Oh, no, no. I'm encouraged. I think I want to know why he's not on the panel. Like I, as a comedian, I support other fellow comedians. But when Ostentatious was on the panel, I was. I was. I didn't feel proud that night. And yeah, he's. Uh, yeah. I'm also not a fan of when Devaney's on. I don't. I think she shouts a lot. She does and doesn't listen. Yeah, she she uses Q and A like Twitter. Yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> oh, she's like she's like Facebook. Status, 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 like. And that's, but you know, Mark, we need these people. We do. We I do. These, we need these if people. If we all agreed, it'd just be, well. No, it wouldn't be the Labor Party. That's for sure. Uh, but you are. You are. Let me ask you a question. What mm-hmm. drives you to? You're, you're what, what I would call in the comedy scene a comedy uh, curator or a comedy um, a community organiser, I would say. What drives you to kind of um, do more stuff in, in the comedy community? To, love, make, to, make, to make comedy better? I love of poverty, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I think stand-up in its purest form is brilliant. I, I love just the fact of someone, a guy or girl, can just get on stage, hold a crowd, take them to laugh, and I love that. And I think... Sydney's got there's so much talent. I mean, we're in a city where I can go and watch Tommy Dean. If you've if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen See Tommy, Tommy Dean, Dean, you need to get to the friend in hand next time he's there. You need to you need to find where Tommy Dean is. Tweet me and I will tell you where he is. You need to see this Max. That is just brilliant. And I think I think stand up is a neglected art form in Sydney. I think it's sort of I don't think it gets the true recognition it has. I mean, I'm, I'm we're a city. There's five million people in Sydney. Hmm. If 10% of the people each week went out to stand up, that's 50,000 people. People they go to they go to rugby league, they go why aren't they coming to stand up? And we need to change that cuz it just not enough is, rape. Well not well yeah, no. Rugby league. Plenty of rape heaps jokes. Of rape. We're seeing rugby heaps league. of rape jokes. Yeah. No. But yeah, more, I just more peptides. I just I love the scene and I just yeah, I want to make I just want to make the stand up scene better. I want I want to see good quality joke writers come through. I want to see performances and festival shows. I love it. But why? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I just think I keep turning up and, yeah, just keep, it's what I do. I'm at the stage, you mentioned it, I think, I don't know if we were on air or off air, where you get to a point where I'm probably now, like, I've got an economics career which I've never used. <laughs> never. And I was yeah, sort of... No, you've got an economics degree you have laughed in the face of. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I think the, the closest I've got to that is arguing with Steve Hughes about one of his theories on the New World Order. Yep. But I mean, I've been blessed to meet these people. But I'm at the stage now where I don't really have that many career options. For mm. me, it's either writing, comedy, podcasting, if it would pay, if there are any sponsors out there. <laughs> and so I'm sort of like, yeah, I've got to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, and sort yeah, of, yeah. It's good to know. I mean, for me, like, the highlight, I'll tell you now, if you, my dream job would be either, I'd love to do the podcast every day and get paid for it, or give me, if you could give me between 10 and 50 people a night in a little theatre and I could put on my show five nights a week, I'd love that. I love doing the festival show. Mm. That's, for me, is the highlight of stand-up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Are you, are you doing anything for Sydney? Or? No, no, I just... I'm tired. Yeah, fair enough. The cool thing is Irrational Fear has, has grown from the FBI social and in June, um, hopefully, I don't know if I can say this, 
because it hasn't happened yet. But hopefully the ABC at Radio National are going to pick it up. Oh, sweet. And hopefully it'll run every week for six weeks from June. So we'll get six episodes out of Irrational Fear for Radio National. So that'll be great. So I've got a, a nice budget for that. So I'm just trying to figure out the venue now venue for Venue logistics. It. And it's going to stream live um, from wherever we hold it. Uh, and it'll get repeated on Sunday. So my post-Melbourne Comedy Festival is going to be trying to harnessing that harnessing and make sure that. that's going to run as smooth as possible. So that's going to be... Irrational Fear is like a fast, fast-paced satirical comedy panel show. It's kind of ripped off 10 o'clock live. Um, but what it is is a platform for new young comics to stand alone, stand, mm. stand, stand alongside really good established acts mm. um, and perform up on stage with them and banter with them live on stage. And it's really fast, really funny, unpredictable and live. So that's been great. FBI has been really great at incubating that. And I think after the Radio National season, we'll go back to FBI and just do once a month shows like we have been doing. But yeah, so that's that's... That's my focus after oh, festival. So you're going to be busy. So once that's done in June, probably July, August, you're going to be spending about a month in bed or yeah, just I'll have be, a breakdown? No, July, August, I'll be looking for a job. You <laughs> can check out my work at danillick.com or follow me on Twitter, D-A-N-I-L-I-C. Perfect. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Dan. Make sure you visit his website. If you're in Melbourne, go, seriously, if you're not, if you're in Sydney, fly down and have a look at the festival for today. It really is brilliant. Go see one of Dan's three shows. See them all. Yeah, you see them all. Tweet him. He'll probably give you... He'll give you a two-for-one on one of them if you go to all three. Is that... Can I make the... I'll pay for the extra tickets. Did, we, did we just not spend 20 minutes about explaining how much I'm going to lose six grand? No. You can pay full price. for three. No discounts. You just paid... Instead of paying $20, $20, you can pay $25. There you go. If you see Dan in the street flying from his three shows, give him a dollar. Just give him, give him a dollar. Take the flyer. No, go see the shows. No discount. What's five bucks? That's a fucking beer in North Bondi. Just fucking pay it. And that way I can make... I can break even. All right? There you go. So if 6,000 of our listeners go see Dan's show... That'll and make him a profit. <laughs> if you do, even if, if six thousand people give him a dollar in Melbourne, he'll break yes. even. If you see the yes. show, that's just that's great. Uh, that's also good. That's, that's great. Also good. Well, just come and just come and pay full price or a laugh pack. The laugh the pack's laugh pack, there. That's a good. Get all None three of this shows. Twenty for twenty business. Twenty. You didn't register for twenty for twenty. No, I forgot. I just <laughs> I forgot about it. No, that's good. Well, make sure you see Dan's show. Check out Can of Worms. Go to danillick.com. Thank you, Dan, for coming along. If you listen to this on iTunes, give us five stars. Give us a review. It costs you nothing, and it really helps the show. It costs nothing. I'm into that. There you go. Well, there you go. There you go. Give us a review, and the money you save on giving us five stars, give it to Dan to yeah. fund his festival habit. It's, yeah, it's, so it's, it's a habit now. Come see Sidekicks, a hilarious romantic comedy, or if you fancy a rational fear, a fantastic satirical comedy show, or come see Dan Nillick is Legally Ambiguous. See all three, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lester. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. For more information, visit ComedyOnEdge.com. And if you're on Twitter, follow us at ComedyOnEdge. Thank you. Have a good week.